Radio Free South Bronx. We are doing a turnaround for the 2018 State of the Borough Bronx edition held by Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. at Bronx High School of Science, my former high school. So I'm going to only touch on the full outline, um, but I'm only going to touch on each, each point briefly. BronxNet recorded the entire thing on video. Shout out to BronxNet, keeping local news alive. Therefore, I'm not going to release the raw audio for the event because, spoiler alert, BronxNet has better equipment and staff than we do. Um, (laughs) I'm not even going to pretend. So they have a great quality video on YouTube. I'll add the link in the description below. You can watch the whole thing. I'm going to touch on what I saw and what I heard, and, you know, give give you my hot take. As a lifelong Bronx resident, as a fellow Democrat, how did I think he did, and what I think about his initiatives he announced. Before I start on the state of the borough, I did get a Bronx Week flyer when I was walking in. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. May 10th through 20th, 2018 is going to be Bronx Week, yes. People who are not from here, yes. I did just list 10 days and say the words Bronx Week in in the same sentence. Bronx Week started off as one day, celebrating the history and culture of the Bronx. And then it became a weekend, and then it became three days, and then a week. We're up to 10 days, because you know what? There is too much Bronx culture and history to celebrate, and too many awesome restaurants to go to eat at and awesome performances by local artists to see. You can't fit it all in seven days. We're up to 10. So mark your calendars. Bronx Week, celebration of Bronx history and culture. I'm talking free food. I'm talking free events. I'm talking awesome artists performing. Let's go. Let's show up and let's support our borough. So that again is May 10th through 20th, 2018. And I'll also post a link to that in the description. Now, State of the Borough, 2018. Borough of President Diaz's ninth State of the Borough. For those who aren't from New York City, a State of the Borough is held by the Borough President and sets forth their initiatives for the coming year, celebrates their accomplishments and achievements for the past year, and outlines the issues um, surrounding quality of life, social justice in their community that they want to advance with other elected officials this year. Our new deputy borough president, Marika Scott McFadden, gave the opener. There was also a really beautiful standing ovation for Aurelia Green. Um, Aurelia Green served as deputy borough president for a really long time and served wonderfully, and it was nice to honor her then. Imam Ali Kamel from Moss Upper New York gave the invocation. He stated that peace must come before anything. Peace must come before anything. Peace brings unity. God created us to know each other, not to despise each other. Um, I thought that was a beautiful invocation, especially given the current climate of um, division in our country. And I appreciate that the borough president had uh, an imam given invocation instead of a Christian-centric invocation. I've been to a lot of these events and a lot of times it's just Christian centered and I think it's important to respect all religions that we have in our beautiful diverse borough, you know, to show that dedication to diversity that he's exemplified through his time in office. Intentional choices, y'all. It's how we show our character. So moving on to the meat of it, 
Um, the first slide was about our, H-O-U-R, New York. H-O-U-R, the amount of time. The hashtag is hashtag our New York. One hour each month to a cause you're passionate about. So they're encouraging everyone to take one hour a month to volunteer for a cause that you are passionate about. Um, and they're, um, I think it's an incredible initiative, um, straight off the bat. I, many of you know, I volunteer a lot of my time and for me, it's never felt like work. Uh, my mom, Marlene Cintron, ran the Hope Line for almost 20 years, um, a nonprofit that gave, um, that did immigrant services and domestic violence help and a food pantry. So I grew up in this environment of volunteerism. It was never a thing you did on the weekends. It's a thing you did every day. And I've found that to be very rewarding for me in my life. So I hope that other people, you know, give up an hour of Netflix or, you know, find an hour in their busy schedules to um, to fit it in. Um, I know we're all busy. We're all New Yorkers. But let's really make a dedication in 2018 to take care of each other. So he opened up with a dad joke. Um, <laughs> and the dad joke was a science joke and it was from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a Bronx native um, and alum of Bronx Science 1976. So where we are now, he said the Bronx is building. We're not just talking housing and infrastructure. We're talking community organizations. The Bronx Children's Museum broke ground in 2017. I'm very excited for that. It's going to be down by the Bronx Terminal Market, down by the water. He also talked about the Bronx is working. Unemployment is down 5.5%, 10,000 employed, started office nine years ago. And um, let me just touch on that point. Unemployment was 14%, 14% around the time of the recession. We're talking nine years ago, which is 2008, 2009. It was 14% in the Bronx. And in some populations like women of color, um, it was even higher. For it to be down to 5.5%, um, I cannot communicate to you the direct economic and social benefit that comes from um, family employment, you know? If mom is unemployed and wants to be and needs to be for financial reasons and she gets a job, the way that that impacts the family as a whole is extremely tangible, especially in communities of color, especially in immigrant communities, that we continue to get unemployment down, that anyone who wants to work in the Bronx has a job and can go to work every day. Now, then he went into the issues. Uh, the five main issues he outlined were Washington, generally, um, the federal government rolling back many, many of Obama's policies um, that directly impacted the way states and local governments deliver services. Health. Um, as you know, last year or the last two years, his initiative has been hashtag not 62, that we didn't want to be 62 out of 62 counties in health outcomes. And health is still an issue, even though we are getting overall in almost every measure healthier as a borough. Education is a big issue. We are the lowest in math and reading scores in New York City in terms of boroughs, and that's really unacceptable um, because that's a direct failure of service provision. It is not that our students are 
categorically the least capable at math and reading or the least um, intelligent. It's that we are failing them as service providers, as government workers, at providing the education and the educational resources that they need. Housing is still an issue, even though we are um, building um, and expanding our number of units. Housing itself as an institution is an issue. There is still a lot of homelessness in the Bronx, and it's something that really does need to be addressed. So let me go into these points um, individually. Education. Bronx Board President's Office allocated $60 million this year to capital funding for 400 schools. One of his big initiatives for 2018 is to formulate with the Department of Education a new curriculum to integrate tech into all subjects. I think that will definitely make students competitive for the new um, job marketplace um, to learn math and science and English and all, all the uh, basic subjects, but to at least have some aspect of tech integrated to those subjects so they have more exposure to tech. Um, 50% of Bronx students are in what is considered overcrowded classrooms. So that's going to be classrooms, I think, as of the last DOE guidelines, those are going to be classrooms that are 30, to, oh, 30 students or more. So 50% of our students are in a classroom where there's 29 or more students and one teacher. That's completely unacceptable. Um, you cannot, uh, look, I love our teachers. I absolutely love our teachers. I think that in many cases, they are selfless human beings working for the common good. But I don't care what teacher you are. <laughs> you could be Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society. You are not going to effectively teach 30 students one topic. It's just not physically possible for a teacher to divide themselves in the classroom through that many students. And I honestly don't think that, I, I mean, I haven't seen the UFT um, literature on this, but I don't think that teachers want to be in classrooms with 30 students. Because if you're, you know, if your goal as a teacher is to really teach and you know you can't teach, that has to not feel good. Everyone wants integrity in their work. Everyone wants the opportunity to be to make an impact in this world. So I think overcrowding in the classrooms, that is a that's such easily identifiable fix. Um, not easy easy fix, because we're gonna need to hire teachers, we're gonna need to build extra classrooms, we're gonna need to build extra schools. But we can easily say, um, with the science, with um, with the research, and with a common sense perspective, that it's a problem to have 32 students and one teacher in a fifth grade English class. Especially, sorry, I'm going to get off this point in a second. Especially when the Bronx is the most diverse borough in New York City and you have an 86% chance that any two of those kids chosen at random are from a different race or ethnicity, which means most likely a lot of them are first generation or immigrant children and they're all trying to learn you know, fifth grade English, and they're all at different levels, you know, based on based on what they learned at home, based on what they learned um, where they lived before they lived in the Bronx. And you have 32 different data points. You have 32 different data points. And that's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Overcrowding in schools. Riven Diaz Jr., I am 100% behind you with that initiative. Let's answer that problem. All right, so how is Ruben Diaz Jr. going to solve this issue? Unfortunately, 
additional seats for public school are not in the city's budget for the Bronx. We are getting that is extremely, extremely deplorable of um, City Hall to see the amount of need in the Bronx, see the educational outcomes, again, lowest in math and reading. That's unacceptable. And Ruben Diaz is going to be taking up um, an initiative to cap 22 students per middle school class. 22 students is still a lot of students. Um, um, 22 students is a lot. And I know that big classroom has become the norm in um, city life. But just because it's the norm doesn't mean that it's what's right for our children. And it's what's right for our education system. That it's going to help us meet our mission of teaching everybody. And look, the, the biggest issue in education for the Bronx is that the playing field itself is uneven. Specialized high school exams for 2017, 44% of students that applied were of Latino or African American descent. 10% of those students actually got offered a seat at a specialized high school. Um, that's, that's unacceptable to me completely unacceptable. If a student wants to go to a specialized high school and wants to learn a certain subject or, you know, their parents want them to, you know, when you're 13, you don't always get to make your own academic choices. But we have seen categorically that specialized high schools are doing great work and are leading to more students going to college, more students getting job placement. This is very important that we need to ensure that um, our students are prepared for, prepared for these specialized high school exams, that there is enough seats at these specialized high schools, that they don't have ridiculous commutes. I don't want a Bronx student to have to take a two-hour commute to Queens. That's not sustainable for a teenager or for a family. We need to expand the number of specialized high schools. We need to expand the number of seats in them. And we need to ensure that there are programs in place to prepare students of color for these specialized high school exams. Now, CUNY system, as you know, the Bronx has the most educational institutions of higher learning in New York City. We have Fordham College, we have Lehman College, we have Metropolitan College, we have Ostos Community College. We got everybody here in the Bronx. And Borough President Diaz wants to increase the pipeline from college to employment. He wants to give employers incentives to hire CUNY students and also just kind of connect them. If you're hiring, he wants to ensure that you have the resume of a recent CUNY grad on your desk. And the example he gave was if a student learns nursing at Lehman College, he wants them to stay in the borough, keep that knowledge and that education in the area circulate circulating around our community. So he wants that nurse to work at a Montefiore Lebanon, a St. Barnabas, something around here so that we don't have people learning at our institutions and then being forced to move out to another area to um, complete their job. Um, we want to ensure that we keep the um, social resources we generate in our community. And education is definitely one of them. Moving on to housing. 21,000 units of affordable housing in the Bronx. But we do not want to just put up units without planning. We want to plan with a purpose. So CB2, we have two huge, in just, in just my neighborhood, I have two huge 400 unit plus buildings going up. One is almost done. The other one just broke ground maybe last year. Here's the problem. 
Samuel Gompers, um, PS, um, which is on the other side. Those are the two local zone schools. They are already beyond capacity. They are already at that overcrowding level. Samuel Gompers, I think the average class size is 28 plus at least. These schools are already overcrowded. Why? Because we have a lot of apartment buildings. We have a large concentration of parents and they're all zoned to these schools. Now, when you add 400 apartment units, I can guarantee you that at least one of those apartment units will have a family with children. <laughs> and, you know, we're looking at a lot of families being added to this community. And that's great. We want families and children. We want people to live here. But you cannot add 400 units and not add any more seats or schools or classrooms or teachers services if there's a school shortage already you cannot then put 400 additional units of burden you know that line that ruben diaz used planning with a purpose we need to ensure that when we're doing all of this incredible urban renewal all of this incredible development that is turning empty lots into beautiful places for people to call home that at the same time we are ensuring that our nonprofits, our social services, our schools, all are able to handle the burden of the additional families coming in. All right, transportation. Our next episode on Radio Free South Bronx is going to be about transportation. Transportation, I'll give you a synopsis of next week's episode. Transportation is trash in New York City, okay? I said it. Look, MTA, we're in a 24-year relationship, all right? And I can acknowledge the good parts about the MTA and I, while also holding them accountable for all of the things they've done wrong. A fare in New York City is two seventy five. If you do not live in New York City, that sounds like a good deal. Oh, two seventy five, I can get anywhere. But when you're taking shorter trips, when you're taking a 10, 15 minute trip, two seventy five is a lot of money. When you only make 10, 11, $12 an hour, $275 is a lot of money. A monthly pass in New York City for 30 days, sometimes not even a whole month, is $121. That is an obscene amount of money, especially for people who are working at minimum wage or levels, or as many college graduates are forced to do, are taking unpaid internships. So, Upstate New York has a system where they give commuters deeper discounts. And I think that we do need, I agree with Ruben Diaz, that we need to expand that to the MTA system here. Um, I think that tourists should pay full price. I think that visitors should be expected to pay full price. But if you can prove that you commute for work every day, you know, five days a week, full-time job, or even maybe even for part-time people. If you can prove that you commute to a job and that you make under a certain economic threshold, you should have the ability to purchase a discounted commuter pass. Ruben Diaz also mentioned that he wants that to expand for the Metro North side because currently some Metro North rides like start at $8. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Anyways, we'll talk more about the MTA on our transportation episode. Trust me. I will talk a lot about the MTA and the transportation episode. Moving on. Ferry service. Bronx is hopping on the boat. 
and ferry service is coming to the Soundview area of the Bronx right by my house here. So I am very excited for that. I think boat transportation is a great idea in New York City. I think it'll take some of the burden off of the MTA system. I hope it is fairly priced. And look, in the summer, I won't mind taking a boat to downtown or to go visit um, the Bay Ridge team um, to get me a little closer to Brooklyn. So I'm excited for that. And Borough President Diaz also wants to expand ferry service to City Island and Throgs Neck. So y'all Bronxites that live out there, I know y'all are struggling. I know you're struggling with no subway. Hold on. There might be a boat coming your way. Good transit improves lives, right? I don't care um, your age, your occupation. Good transit improves lives for all family members um, in a family unit. The less time a family member is spending commuting, the more time they get to spend um, at work, the more time they get to spend at home, the more time they get to spend with their family in general. So it just, it's transit, again, it's one of those easily identifiable problems that's not easy to solve. We can categorically say that transit in New York City, especially in the Bronx, is an issue right now. And that it's directly affecting families negatively. How to fix it? That's not going to be as simple. But the first start is admitting you have a problem. An MTA, our transportation episode, will be an intervention for you. I'm going to have to tell you, you have a problem. And we want to help. All right, moving on. Housing. Again. Um, but this time, talking more about the funding for housing. Uh, he funded housing for domestic violence. The, um, his administration founded new housing for chronically homeless category. And what I'm really excited about is the Bronx and New York City is going to get the first of its kind Senior housing for LGBTQ elderly. This is so exciting. Um, and I'm glad that we're going to be taking care of our LGBTQ elderly um, and provide them with safe and um, nice housing with services included. So that's going to be run by SAGE. Um, tenants' rights. There's been a 15% drop in eviction in districts where in Bronx districts where right to counsel program is in place. So right to counsel program provides tenants with free legal help to prevent eviction um, or other circumstances in housing cases. And so, hey, 15% drop in eviction, that's a huge, huge metric. I know it's a small number, but for those 15% families, that is life-changing. So the Right to Counsel program is absolutely working. Who would have thought if you give people an advocate in the criminal justice system, it's almost as if they have a better chance of success in their case. Um, look, criminal justice reform is a future episode, and there's a lot of problems with it. But Borough President Diaz wants to expand the Right to Counsel program to more districts, and Radio Free South Bronx is totally on that boat. NYCHA calling for state oversight of NYCHA. For those who don't know, NYCHA is currently sinking fast. Um, 50% of 
NYCHA boilers in the system need to be replaced today, as in they are not up to code today. This has led directly to a heat and hot water crisis. The response from the de Blasio administration has been completely lukewarm. And look, this is one point where I'm going to criticize Borough President Diaz. Um, I don't think he pointed out enough the complacency in the de Blasio administration for the issues with NYCHA. De Blasio is on his second term. He is has he is and has been directly responsible for what NYCHA is doing in the in in the Bronx and in New York City as a whole. NYCHA is the reason why my grandmother who lives in public housing um, here in the Bronx has been without elevators and she lives on the 16th floor has been without gas for cooking for months at a time and had to cook on an electric hot plate, which by the way, I had to buy for her because the one they provided was broken. Surprise. Look, the quality of life and what's really, what really grinds my gears is that this is only a senior citizen building. So NYCHA has systemic, systemic issues that need to be addressed, that need to be changed. And I agree with Borough President Diaz that we need to call for a state-appointed overseer, that we need to have NYCHA call a state of emergency. Look, he pointed out the example. The new Tappan Zee Bridge up in Terrytown was built faster than the boiler in Parkchester has taken to be replaced. The bridge is open. The boiler is still broken. So, look, NYCHA... I don't work in housing, okay? But how long does it take to replace a boiler? Those are people who are living their days without heat and hot water. That is unacceptable. That is not something that we are going to take given the amount of state and local taxes that we pay. We will not accept that quality of life for our neighbors, for our family members, and for our friends. And, like I said, I wish that, um, I mean, I know politics, there's certain things you can't really say, especially if you're postulating, um, you know, if you want to protect yourself politically, but I thought he could have been a little harsher on the de Blasio administration when there has been direct evidence linking the de Blasio administration to the shortcomings in NYCHA housing. Health. Hashtag not 62 has been a very good success. We haven't gotten the metrics in, but I don't think we're 62 in out of 62 counties in health outcomes anymore. Mental health first aid training. Um, this is good. Um, the borough president mentioned this program. It's free mental health first aid training that basically teaches Bronxites how to talk to people with mental health issues, whether it's a friend, a family member, a neighbor, stranger. It helps teach you the language and the tactics that you need to support someone who's having a mental health crisis. Health outcomes, he wants to reduce diabetes, illness, and amputation. That's a very specific goal. I appreciate that the goals um, are not simply broad, but very specific. The opioid crisis, we want to solve this urban issue with compassion for those who are addicted, not by using a revolving door to our jails. Let's keep pushing in 2018 to support 
our local community organizations and nonprofits to improve the health outcomes of our neighbors and our families. Looking forward to a happy, healthy 2018 for all of our podcast listeners. Now, bail reform. This is so good. So, so good. Borough President Diaz wants to eliminate cash bail in the Bronx. And he says that's because whether you stay in jail should not be based on how much money you have. I That sounds so obvious, but we have such a broken criminal justice system that apparently we've got to put that out there at this point. Pretrial detention is unconstitutional, he said, if you do not pose a threat. A shout out to Borough President Diaz for directly facing the criminal justice system in this kind of very um, specific way. He pointed the three quarters of our jail populations in New York City have not been convicted. With the closing of Rikers and the opening up of potential jails here in the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, we need to really ask ourselves, are these jails even necessary if all they're doing is holding poor people that can't afford their cash bail amount, but otherwise pose no threat to society? Is that really a good use of our tax income dollars? Um, to just hold, house people till their, until their trial dates, that's unreasonable, in my opinion. And then, I mean, don't even get me started about criminal justice. While they're sitting in jail, they're not working, they're not supporting their families, they're not being a part of their community. So it hurts our communities. It really does to have people sitting in jail simply because the amount set at arraignment for cash bail was too high for them to afford these people need to be working. These people need to be in their communities, especially if they pose no threat. And he pointed out the de Blasio plan to put jail sites in the outer boroughs and how they've just decided, oh, we're going to put a new jail in the South Bronx. Radio Free South Bronx directly opposes the implementation of a new jail in the South Bronx area. This has been done with no community input, no community vetting. This has just been decided by the de Blasio administration that, oh, all right, we're going to close Rikers and we're going to open up jails in the outer boroughs. Absolutely not. Absolutely not without community input. We will not stand by that. And we will have an episode in the coming weeks directly calling out the de Blasio administration for putting a jail site or planning to put a jail site in the South Bronx with no consent from the community. All right, so those are our issues. It's a long list, but it's a list, and we can work with problems. We can work on problems once we've identified them. And moving on, good news. We are, the Bronx is an international success story. We have an increase in tourism. We have an increase in infrastructure, an increase on parklands. And I want to continue to congratulate my fellow community members across the borough for inviting their friends and family to come visit, for talking about the Bronx online, for pushing their local community boards and councilmen for new parklands. This has always been a community-driven initiative. And a lot of the good news that comes into the Bronx is because of you, the community. So hats off to you. Good news, we have more and more summer youth applicants that want to work a job. So it's called Summer Youth Employment. It's run by New York City. 
and it connects employers with um, high school students that want to work over their summers. I did this program from the age of 13 to the age of 16 when I went away to college. It was extremely beneficial to me. I worked at New York Presbyterian as an administrative assistant. I worked at Liberty Partnership as as a program planner um, and coordinator and helped teach students um, swimming. Summer youth employment works. It keeps our kids employed. It keeps them busy. It gets them a paycheck, teaches them how to work, teaches them workplace culture, teaches them the value of money, the value of time, and it's a great program. But 40%. Of applicants were denied. 65,000 students were denied summer youth employment because, not because they weren't qualified, because there were not enough jobs. We have got to change that number. If 65,000 kids want to spend their summer working a job, we are absolutely not going to be the ones to stop them. So shout out to James and Judy Diamond and their foundation, for funding job training programs here in the Bronx. AT&T gave kids summer tech internships. Look, employers, reach out to summer youth employment now. Tell them what jobs you may have available for the summer. You will not regret it. And look, if you have a kid work for you for two to three summers, and then he graduates high school, that's someone that you can onboard very easily to to your culture in your workplace and have as a permanent employee. You basically have the opportunity to train someone in your field and then have them work for you full time and offer them full employment once they graduate. This is an opportunity for your business to grow. This is your opportunity to help youth in your community. This is your opportunity to make your community a better place because youth are employed over the summer as opposed to hanging out, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So businesses, small business owners, big business owners, I'm calling on you calling you out, contact Summer Youth Employment, New York City government, and offer up jobs for this summer. We have 65,000 kids that need jobs. All right, Puerto Rico, still without power. At 100 days, the Bronx borough president put out a a document about it. Um, And the Bronx did step up in the face of Hurricane Maria. Um, We sent out Tons, literal tons of supplies. We had so much turnout. We had so many people turn up to donate supplies. We had to call in the National Guard. So that's definitely good news. The Bronx is standing firm behind our Puerto Ricans on the island. And we love you. We're working hard to make sure that you get turned back on. Many of the workers that have gone out to rewire Puerto Rico have been union and con ed workers from the Bronx. So we here we support you we stand in solidarity with you and we won't allow you to suffer without recognition we can't change the federal government's response but we as a borough and as a community can stand up for our neighbors our friends and our family on the island um he flat out said we must pass new york state stream act that's very important immigrants rights protect lgbtq people Equal pay for everyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender. Stop sexual harassment in the office and in our culture in general. Honor and protect diversity and elevation of the conditions for everyone that calls the Bronx home. And he also, just to touch on the immigrants' rights point for a bit, he flat out said, 
ICE, stay out of our courts. We're not interested in you conducting um, raids on immigrants in the Bronx. And that was really nice to hear from a politician. Uh, I know ICE tries to come for one of my friends, for one of my family members, for one of my neighbors. I will do everything in my power to stop them from doing so. Um, because what is going on at the national level is unconstitutional, shows no due process, shows no human rights conditions. I am waiting for the United Nations to call what ICE is doing a, what is essentially a war on immigrants and a crime that is being perpetrated by an arm of the federal government. Then, finally, this episode is a little bit longer than I thought it would be, but, you know, a lot to celebrate, a lot to work on in the Bronx, and a lot to celebrate. I asked three Bronx residents at the event afterwards what they were personally looking most forward to in the Bronx in 2018. I first stopped Michaela Ritz, a Bronx resident who also was repping Bronx Green Machine. Shout out to Bronx Green Machine and the awesome community work that they're doing here in our area. She is most excited to see an expansion of opportunities for the underutilized manpower in our youth. Adults, this is, this is a message for us adults. Do not underestimate the value of young people, all right? Give middle school students volunteer opportunities. Give high school student work students work opportunities. They have the capacity to learn. They have drive, passion, energy, they're not insomniacs like I am. Like, <laughs> they still have vivacity and life. We need to tap into that. I completely agree with Michaela on this. We need to use our youth, their time, their brain power, their innovation, and their vivacity to improve our community. And the only way our community is going to get better as a whole is if we work with our youth and give them opportunities that we wish we had when we were their age. Tony Nazario, Throg's Neck, Stickball Playa. He is hoping for better jobs in 2018 and is looking forward to the vibrant future in our community. Um, I'm with you, Tony. We need to make sure that we're not just adding 10,000 jobs of one category. We need to make sure that people with diverse backgrounds and educations can find a job and a career that fits their interests and their educational background. Keenan Tong from Riverdale, he works for Here and Here, which is part of, which is an arm of the Judy Diamond Foundation that helps do job training here in Hunts Point and in the Bronx. So Keenan Tong of Riverdale, he said he wants to see continued retention and growth in our school system with a focus on career prep. Great point, Keenan. Um, we have a lot of issues in our educational system that doesn't only come from overcrowding, that also comes from curriculum and what we're teaching our young people. We need to prepare them for a career, not just a job. We want to prepare them for a career in a field of their choosing. And we want to ensure that they have the skills and the abilities, especially in the tech sector, since that's one of the biggest and fastest growing industries. We want to make sure that they have the exposure, the skills and abilities so that they can make themselves lasting careers that will give them fulfillment in their life. 
So thank you to the three people I interviewed at the end of the State of the Borough. Thank you to the Borough President and his staff for all of the incredible work you have done in the last nine, wow, shout them, count them, nine years, and that you're going to be doing this year in 2018. Radio Free South Bronx looks forward to working with the Borough President's administration, all other government officials, community organizations to advance the values and directives outlined here. We will say that it was a good speech, a great speech, and that it effectively outlined the issues and the achievements of the past nine years. I will again reiterate the one criticism in that I felt it didn't hold the de Blasio administration accountable or to task really for the shortcomings that they have perpetrated in the last few years. Um, especially when it comes to NYCHA. But again, I think these are solid goals, solid initiatives, specifically tailored to our community's needs. And we're going to um, definitely use them as kind of a blueprint for future episodes. I want to explore bail reform more. I want to explore overcrowding classrooms and school choice more. Um, we have some interesting people lined up to interview, and I hope you continue to listen and learn and participate on the co- in the conversation. On Twitter, we are at Radio Free SBX. On email, we are Radio Free South Bronx at gmail.com. Listen to our podcasts everywhere podcasts are distributed. Not everywhere, really just iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. If any of these mediums are not accessible to you, or if you need any further accommodations for our podcast, please shoot me an email. I want to make this medium accessible to everyone. And thanks again for listening to our State of the Borough address recap and analysis. And I look forward to having you join us in the next few weeks. Maybe one week, we'll see, for our transportation episode with special guest Alan. Looking forward to seeing you there. God bless. <laughs>